Coming at you live Friday, March 24th, uh, 2017. Hope everybody is doing good. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, so up on today's live at you is um, a couple little quick uh, cute kid updates around the house. Um, really, really brief. Uh, then I'm going to play a quick tune and uh, talk a little bit about my Wild Vines gig and seeing Umphreys McGee last week, which was really fun. And um, yeah, and then probably some ins and outs uh, around those topics. But uh, so this was super cute. Um, I go to my piano and grab my notebook the other day. Um, oh, the other thing that we might talk about is uh, the songwriters group that I attended. Um, Nashville Songwriters Association International uh, meetup, uh, Phoenix chapter. Uh, that I went to on Tuesday this week. So a lot to talk about. Let's uh, jump right in. Um, So at my piano, where I've got my computer set up to record, uh, I've got a notebook with a pencil there. And I was noticing my seven-year-old was uh, tapping on the the keys and singing to herself. And um, it was really cute, this nice moment to just kind of walk by. I don't think she knew I was looking. And uh, she was singing songs on the piano and just sort of gibberish. and um, But, you know, stream of consciousness. And uh, I noticed that a few days ago. And then on Tuesday night, when I went to go to that songwriters group, I went and uh, I was like, you know what, let me bring that notebook so I can take some notes. And I grabbed it and I look at it and there's uh, my daughter's handwriting and, and, you know, two lines. It says, I need to be myself in my daughter's handwriting. Um, She spelled need with an M. I need to be myself. Uh, maybe she was going for alliteration there, little songwriter in the uh, in the works. So I think she wrote her first lyric, and it was "I need to be myself," which is pretty profound if you think about it for uh, someone who, um, you know, is trying to be creative. Um, there is a piece of it that's like you got to be yourself and start from there, and then let let, let it flow through you from there. But um, you know, I hope she finds her voice. And, uh, I hope I stay true to mine. So really cute that I got to see that. Um, the other thing is, uh, I was trying to get this podcast going for like the last two and a half hours. I just kept getting distracted and, you know, something else came up that I had to do. And I was like, shoot, I really want to get this done on Friday so I can get it out this weekend and, uh, kind of keep on pace. Cause I don't know when I'm going to have time to do this tomorrow. So it was sort of now or never. I'm glad to squeeze it in. Um, and I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm about to push play. This was like a half hour ago, about to push play. And Bryn walks in with a, a yogurt tube, you know, those really convenient little yogurt tubes that kids eat like gogurt. Um, if you don't know, it's like, um, just a little plastic tube, a thin plastic tube of yogurt and you rip the top off and then the kid can just kind of suck it down. Um, so somewhat healthy snack, you know, um, healthier than a lot of the easy stuff that they eat. Um, or could eat. And so I'm like, all right, good. Yeah, let me get you your yogurt. And she gets distracted on the piano and she's flipping through the different sounds. Um, she was finding like woodblock sounds that sounded like coconuts. And uh, she went to like some of these twilight uh, nighttime sounds, which are just 
ambient and, and wacky sounding. And she was like, Ooh, I'm making music. Super duper cute. Meanwhile, I'm standing there. I had opened the yogurt, so I can't really put it down. And, uh, I just get, I get to a point where I was like, this is super cute, but I do need to keep it rolling. And there's this yogurt here that's getting warm now. Cause I've been holding it for so long. And, uh, and, and I said out loud, I was like, I don't want to be responsible for this yogurt anymore. And, uh, it just, I was like, tickled me. Cause I was like, that's, that's, those are the sort of things you say as a dad, you know, it's like, I opened this yogurt. I didn't want to be responsible for it anymore. Um, and, uh, I was like, okay, Bryn, come on. Like you got to eat your yogurt. You got to let daddy do his quick recording and, uh, you know, let's, let's keep it moving. So she was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to cut that moment too short. So I, I certainly let her tinker around on the keyboard for a while, which was very, very cute. Um, and uh, the other thing that happens sometimes when you're when you're a parent is you uh, go to use your the bathroom that your kids use and the tub is still full of water from bath time, which I think was two nights ago. I don't think we had a bath last night. So I'm like, when was this water from? Um, I was in there using the restroom and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's water in the tub. Um it was a slight greenish hue, um, so I'm not sure how long it was sitting there, um, but that that might have just been because it was still, um, uh, it didn't look like unsanitary, um, is what I'm saying, but it was used bath water that was just sitting there for two days, so it didn't look very inviting either. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, come on. Like we gotta, we gotta drain this. So sometimes you, you walk in on, on tubs that are at least a day and a half, two days old of, uh, of sitting water. And then, so I was thinking about, um, my girls are almost, you know, they're, they're old enough where they can be taking showers. And we do that as a quick, convenient thing. Um, sometimes instead of bath time. And I was wondering in terms of sustainability and if you wanted to be cognizant of your water usage and, um, you know, reduce it or keep it minimal. Um, I was trying to think, do I, is a bath or a shower, um, which one uses more water, a bath or a shower? And I was like, you know what, someone, I could imagine someone saying like, well, actually a bath uses less water and me believing it. And then I was like, I was looking at all the water sitting in the tub for a day and a half or two days with a greenish hue, um, not inviting at all. And I was like, ah, you know, that looks like a lot of water. Like, and I know when I run the girls baths, like you're just running, like, you know, it's not the shower where it's, it's all, you know, sort of the, the different waters coming out of different spouts and it's not all coming out at once. When you run the bath, you're just running like the Niagara falls through, you know, through the bathtub and it's, um, filling up and it takes a while, right. Of that, like Niagara falls flow. And I was like, if you, if you take a quick shower, that seems like it would be less water. But then it was one of those situations where I was like, did I hear a fact that baths were less, or is that just something stupid that I made up in my head that now I think is one of those, like, you'd never believe it. Like, cause I really like those, those sort of natural paradoxes or natural, uh, you know, things that, that are surprising facts that you're like, oh, you wouldn't think it would be that way, but it is. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if anybody knows, or I might have to Google after this, but if we want to be a little bit more water conscious and, and save some water or, you know, if it's summertime and if the government is like, hey, you know, cut it back on the water, like happens in, I guess, California and anywhere that they need to do some sort of public, um, public services remediation on a water shortage. Um, I wonder what those, you know, where they're like, can't sprinkle your yard anymore, man. It's a waste. Cut that out. You know, the dams are running low. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, if that was the case, would it, would it be, if you were trying to save some water, which would be a bummer, cause don't you feel like we should have engineered ourselves out of the water problem already? Like why it, there's so much water, you know, desalination, I guess is an option. I don't know. Um, but, uh, we, I, I think we should have engineered ourselves out of that problem a while ago. Um, this is funny. I think one of the comedians I was listening to, maybe Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or somebody was like, um, just, just if the glaciers are melting, but we have a drought over here, just build a big straw from the, from the glaciers and from the Arctic, just have that, that fresh glacial water come, um, into our pipes, uh, over here in California. I thought that was pretty funny, but, um, all right, I digress. Let's, uh, let's play a quick tune here. So later on, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Humphreys McGee show and, uh, in that spirit, I've been owing my buddy, um, my buddy Mark a tune for a while here, um, and uh, I'd like to play it for him, um, and for all of you. And it's called Greener, and it's an old King Cole song. That was my band back in uh, high school many, many years ago. I was trying to think when this song was written, and I graduated in 02, so I was a freshman in 98, so it was written sometime between 98 and 02. So let's say, you know, 2000, which would make this song um, uh, 17 years old, right? Got my little guitar here. And uh, we'll do a little, we'll do a little song, a little greener. So yeah, the song is about. Um, I was very much into like social justice and and um, thinking about how uh, I was thinking about global poverty, you know. And as a young man in my teens, trying to r- grapple with some of the world's realities um, and trying to think of some better ways. And uh, was was pretty involved in my church youth group, and I think some of that service and optimism and, you know, what would Jesus do kind of mentality was rubbing off on me um, in a good way, in a, in a way that was very formative for my character. But uh, here we go, without further ado. Can hunger be the way culture for them lasts all day? But in our cozy town, we got much more than enough to go all around. Teach our children to play nice and share. As adults give electric chairs It's two for us and none for them Just think twice Could have been you, could have been me The grass is greener on the other side That's not the way it's got to be, yeah Look in your life I'm sure you can find a sacrifice That'll mean the world to them And mean nothing to you or me 
to sing about nice things oh all right okie dokie um that was greener that was greener um from uh from the year 2000 (laughs) uh so some of it stands the test of time i uh i enjoyed that i enjoyed that a lot um just a sec um okay back oh the other thing i was thinking was it might be fun to start doing some running like segments of the podcast and one that was one that came to mind was awesome or annoying 
I was thinking like, there's some things that are like, they could be awesome or they could be annoying. And it probably depends on the context. And it would be fun to sort of, you know, riff on those sorts of things. Uh, for instance, um, like, uh, you know, at Costco, is, is that awesome or annoying? Um, working from home, is that awesome or annoying? Smartphone notifications. <laughs> Here's my list. Smartphone notifications. Ed Sheeran. Facebook memories, when they have the Your Memories pop up, and it was like, here's you from four years ago, um, coupons, um, and, and things like that. Uh, I, I, it would be fun if anybody wants to engage on this. It's a little silly, but if you have something that you want me to debate if it's awesome or annoying, or get my opinion on if it's awesome, awesome or annoying, um, that could be fun. Um, I'm not going to do one now, um, but, uh, but, you know, um, actually, let's do one now. Let's talk about, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, coupons. Um, awesome or annoying. I have come down on coupons are annoying. Uh, that's just, that's just me. And I feel very lucky that I can kind of not have to go chase that 10% off or that, you know, spend $20 to get five off thing. I think it's cool that, that, marketers have that and that the penny saver comes out and there's those, I just, I don't like the junk mail aspect of it. And then I also don't like having to keep track of it, frankly. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was pretty easy to be like, Hey, here's some coupons for Burger King. Like I'll put them in my wallet and I'll probably use them that night. Um, you know, but as an adult, I'm trying to like cook more for myself. Um, I guess uh, like grocery store coupons might be pretty good. And, um, but, and then there's the other ones like Kohl's and Bed Bath and Beyond. Like you never want to shop there without that, like 20% off or at Kohl's sometimes up to like 30% off. So th there are some stores that it's like, ah, oh, this is their whole racket is that there's always a sale. So it's almost, it, you'd be really shooting yourself in the foot if you didn't bring along your 30% off coupon there. But you know, and then it gets into like, are you going to charge this to your Kohl's charge card or your target charge card? And like all those charge card things, I, I definitely don't want to participate in that, that piece of it. If I, if I can't use the discount unless I'm on your charge card or something, that would be, that would be a pain in the butt. Um, but, uh, clipping out coupons every, and the funny thing is too, is that I know I've come down on the side of annoying. Um, and for me, you know, and, uh, and yet every few weeks, every few, I'd say every few months, probably when that penny saver comes along, I'm like, hey, actually let's, let's thumb through this. And it is helpful to get ideas of restaurants that you might want to check out. Or, you know, you flip through what's on sale at the grocery store and you're like, Oh sweet. Let's, let's plan our menu around what's, you know, the food that's uh, discounted here at the store. So I, obviously there's a lot of benefits there to coupons, but, uh, I, I'm like, I'm probably like 70, 30 annoying to awesome on coupons. And I wonder if anybody disagrees or agrees, but uh, that's my assessment. So that, that's a little example. Um, probably not hysterical, but uh, may, you know, there might be opportunities here to have something that um, we, you know, we kind of grow and riff on together. So uh, feel free to, uh, if you want to tweet, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, whatever, um, email ganderson_music at gmail.com. Um, or uh, all those other social media sites can be accessed from my garrettandersonmusic.com website. And if you have stumbled onto the podcast and haven't yet signed up for my email list, please do so. Um, that is the the one guaranteed centralized hub way of knowing that you're going to get the the best, uh, most substantive updates on my music stuff. Um, I have a lot of goings on, including this podcast, that are just sort of 
all fueling the mission. And then when there's really big milestones, uh, you'll find out on the email campaign. So uh, please, uh, it's it's on the right-hand side of my garrettandersonmusic.com webpage where you can put your email address in there. And again, my, my credo with that is infrequent and substantive. So I'm not going to be spamming you up. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, feel free to submit an awesome or annoying on any of those channels and we'll check it out. Um, you know, awesome or annoying could be, uh, watching people push play on stage. (laughs) And if you listen to the last podcast, I think you'll know that I came down thoroughly on the side of annoying on that one. Awesome or annoying your podcast host taking sips of water and smacking his lips. Annoying. Okay. (laughs) Agreed on that one. No debate needed. Sorry about that. Um, I played a gig since we last uh, spoke. Since we last spoke. This is a podcast. Um, Since I last podcasted. Since the last live at ya. Um, Oh, by the way, since the last last live at ya, I put out a live at Cheetah. The little live at ya highlights from, I think, live at ya too. And um, I was pretty pleased with how that turned out. It's a little bit of extra editing on my on my side, but it's nice because I get to hear sort of what was working and what what wasn't working, and you know where the highlights come from on these podcasts, and hopefully try to help make it so that it's mostly highlights and less of the filler in between. Um, so yeah, hopefully you're digging the live achitas. I'm having fun putting those together, and I think they're a nice spacer between live atches. So uh, yeah, um, last time, uh, so I played a gig at Wild Vines. Um, I was pretty tired, um, which seems to be just a theme these days. <laughs> One of my first notes on like all of my experiences, I'm like, well, what, what was that experience like? And I'm like, well, I went into it pretty tired. It's pretty drowsy going into that one. Um, but I always seem to be able to summon energy for fun stuff. I think my body just has like a really drowsy rest mode. Like if I'm not actively doing something with my all, my body's like, Oh, can we nap now? Is it, is it time to shut down and rest? Um, but yeah, so wild vines, I showed up, I was like a little tired and maybe a little grumpy. Um, and I'm like, Oh man, a Wednesday night gig. It kind of had to hurry, hurry off, uh, from work. And one of those days where it just you you feel you know hot when you're packing up your gear and you can never quite get comfortable. But you know, you, you I had a tea on the way over anyway because I wanted to have some you know a little pep in my step and loosen up the vocal cords a little bit. And uh, so I get there. I'm, I'm up, I didn't get there yet. I'm on the way, and I'm like, you know what? It's almost it's kind of sunsetty here this time of night. Let me drive through um, this really pretty piece of land like preserved land where there's hiking trails called the Sonoran Desert Parkway is the name of the road. And it's really popular for cyclists and, um, and then hikers. There's a nice space to hike over there. So if you're in the Phoenix area, check that out. If you don't know about it yet, it's very pretty drive. And then there's a pull off for some hikes. Um, and it's just really nice Sonoran desert, just pure, no buildings, no nothing. You can see some rolling mountains in the, in the near distance, which is, you know, gorgeous. And the sunset's coming down. And, um, I, I had started off my drive listening to podcasts and, you know, catching up on Joe Rogan or, or there, oh, there's another one that I've uh, stumbled onto Sam Harris, waking up with Sam Harris, I find to be pretty interesting so far. Um, so if you need another recommendation, check that out. But, uh, so yeah, I'm driving to the gig and I started off listening 
listening to something like that. And, uh, and I was like, you know what I need, I'm already a little drowsy. I want to just enjoy the drive. Let me pop on some tunes, um, and just roll with it. And I've got a group of friends back in Baltimore that has a uh, Spotify playlist that we, um, join together and collectively build a playlist. And, um, we, you know, everybody adds two or three songs of just random, whatever they're stumbling onto and enjoying at that time of the year. And uh, usually they have some sort of like seasonal component to them. And, um, it's a really good way to find new music. So if I encourage you and your friends, if you have Spotify to, to maybe do a collaborative playlist like that, it's really, really fun. And, um, and I learned of, uh, um, this Cody Jinx song called hippies and cowboys through that playlist. My buddy put it on there. And, um, I was, you know, so I'm kind of in a weird mood. I'm like, let me turn off the podcast. Cause I don't really feel like, th- you know, thinking right now or listening very intently. I just want to cruise, enjoy the drive, get into a chill headspace, enjoy some music and, you know, get, fall in love with music real quick, right before we get to the gig. So that way I've got, I go in with a nice attitude and, um, and I was like, okay, cool, let's do that. So I, I put on that uh, Spotify collaborative playlist that my buddies have put together. And, uh, that song hippies and cowboys comes up pretty early on. Well, actually, it was, it was almost uncanny the way this worked out. I, I had a stretch of the Sonoran Desert Parkway Drive where um, a Radiohead song was on. It was an instrumental Radiohead song. Um, I think it's from 2 plus 2 equals 5, um, but I'm not positive. And it was perfect, trancy, ambient, groovy, mystical, dark, you know, beat, f- funk fusion layer groove to to enjoy this landscape scenery of the Sonoran Desert with these saguaro cactuses and you know tumbleweeds like picture picture like the blowing dust and the tumbleweed and the saguaro is that big typical looking cactus with like the big green stalks and the big green arms um I'm doing the big green arms like I'm saying a field goal is good in my in my house right now. That's funny. It's imitating a cactus. I would probably make a pretty good cactus for Halloween. That might be a, a good Halloween costume, a saguaro. And then you put a little flower on your head. They've got these beautiful, bright, vibrant red flowers that they, that they bloom. Um, yeah. Anyway, so it, it was the perfect soundtrack. Just shuffle on this playlist was the perfect soundtrack driving through the Sonoran Desert uh, Preserve. And then um, as I'm coming out of it, I'm getting closer to the gig and uh, Hippies and Cowboys comes on. And, uh, in this song, he's basically talking about like, you know, this guy is a, a a road, road warrior musician. And from that old tradition of, of, you know, playing your tunes and at the smoky bars and drinking the whiskey and, uh, you know, uh, all that, all that classic cowboy stuff is, is, is literally like what he's singing about being like home. You know, he's like, that's my kind of room. You know, he's like some old, some old drunk on a bar stool with a Merle Haggard tune. You know, that's my kind of room. Um, and I'm like, yeah, like it just totally, it, it just totally got me back into like, Oh, this is so cool that I get to go play music at, you know, at a, at a wine bar right now. And, you know, not exactly that like country whiskey, Western thing, but you know, that, that isn't necessarily my thing. You know, that's Cody Jinx's thing, which is great. Um, and he tells a great story and it resonated with me to, to be true to my story, you know, and true to, true to my conception of home and, and do the best job I can do performing, um, with the opportunities of, of the gigs that I had. So I was like, you know what, this is really cool. So I used that and, and kind of turned that into inspiration and, and created 
like, what was the meaning behind this show for me? What was, what was the meaning behind this gig? Um, I had hoped that a, a couple friends might show up and it would be a chance to reconnect, but, and, and, uh, I did get to hang out with a couple buddies after, but, uh, I was like, you know, I recently had this revelation that there are my songs and then there are songs that I've written. And the distinction there being that my songs are the ones that, you know, are informed by my life story and they're really easy for me to sing from the heart and they're, they're, I sing them in my voice. Um, you know, I didn't write a melody that I thought was like um, catchy or hooky. I just wrote the melody that felt good from my heart. You know, so those are my songs and there's, there's a nice little list of them. And I went in through a, a note in my phone and just typed out, okay, you know, this song is, is, is one of my tunes and... Um, let me pull up that list and see what I see right now. Um, a lot of them do fall under the, the sort of category of my songs. Yeah. So, uh, wild love standing above the world, tea with Einstein. Um, okay. Rain in the desert, cellar door, counting on a dream, counting on a dream. I'd kind of put on the fence cause I wrote that one pretty deliberately like writing. I wrote that one out. So I don't know if that one, that one's kind of on the fence, but the other ones for sure. Um, Get You, Texas Honeysuckle, Drop These Blues, The Weight, Diving In, Lonely Eve, Mountain Trail, Brainchild, Little Secret, um, Great Unknown, Morning Singing. Like those are all really, really easy for me to sing from the heart and they they come from a centered place. Some of the other ones that I've written that I do enjoy performing, um, you know, Caveat, uh, what are some other examples? Um, F sharp minor blues. There's there, you know, these originals that, you know, I kind of just plucked out of thin air and I think they're cool. I love them in their own way. And I like take ownership over them in, in, in my own way. Um, but they're not quite my songs. They're songs that I've written. So I, I was inspired by Cody Jinx and inspired by this recent revelation to really focus on performing my songs and making sure that I built in a bunch of those into the set. I think I've said this once before, but it bears repeating that if I start feeling like I'm not a very good singer in the middle of a show, I will often, or I will try to keep this in mind as a tactic, I will resort to one of my songs that are really comfortable for me to sing. They come from the heart and recenter where I'm coming from with my singing voice. Um, sometimes at pub gigs, uh, I'll have a tendency to try to do a couple covers to engage some folks and it can turn into a jukebox fest, you know, live show rock out, which is fun and definitely in service to like the greater spirit of the room, depending upon what people are looking to get out of the night. Uh, but it, it, you know, I might sing a song, you know, I might sing a Joe Walsh song and then try to sing a Led Zeppelin song and then sing a, uh, you know, Ben Harper song and then sing a Dave Matthews song. And it's like, wait, where did my voice, you know, like, where's my voice in all of this? And sometimes I need to go back and play a day to day or a new umbrella or one of my tunes. That's like, yeah, okay, this is how I sing this song. Um, or maybe a greener, right? I might have to start working that one back in as one of my songs, um, or have that, you know, internal, uh, sort of moment about, is this one of my songs or a song that I've written, um, immediately off the hook, uh, off the cuff, I'd say that's a song that I've written, but, uh, you know, that can ebb and flow too. Nothing set in stone there on that. Um, but, oh, so that really helped me have a good gig was I played a lot of my songs, um, I went in, so another thing about performing, um, this might get a little music nerdy, but lately I've been going in without a set list and that affords me a certain challenge, but opportunity to establish flow 
um, between the songs. And it is really fun for me to try to go, you know, between a bunch of songs. And when it works, it's, it's really, I think it's nice. And, and it's a nice sort of next level pub performance thing where you can keep the music going for a good 15 minutes without it being boring and with jumping through and inter interweaving a bunch of different songs it gives it you know a very lively um, element so I'm proud of those moments and they're really fun when they're like organically inspired to just weave yourself in and out of a bunch of different tunes trying not to stop using the looping pedal to create little soundscapes to to help you get to the next song um, you know, doing fade outs with the looping pedal, like, you know, some really fun opportunities there without a set list. Um, and then other times where, you know, the coin and the yin and yang here, man, like there's two sides of that coin. There's other times where you can't think of the next song to play and you feel like you're forcing everything and it all feels clunky. So I absolutely, you know, there are times or for some folks where having the set list is going to make for the best show possible. Um, I think it comes back to something I was saying before about on, on the podcast, you know, way, way before maybe one or two that's probably on one of the live achitas, but, um, about is sometimes great, better than always good. And going in without a set list, I think is me saying sometimes great is better than always good. Like I could put on a, a B plus performance tonight. Um, and, and that'd be, that'd be good or maybe, you know, leave some wiggle room there to have some, some a moments, um, and hopefully, you know, average out to, you know, a B plus or an A. Um, so, uh, oh, that just, that I just paused because I was, it brought me back to being a school, a school student. And I was like, Oh, I, I hate being graded. I don't need to grade my performances. I should, uh, I, I may not uh, continue to think in, in those terms of like B plus. Oh, that was a B plus night. Um, I mean, inevitably that'll happen, but um, it's, it's uh, subjective. Yeah. And uh, I'm a pretty harsh critic on myself, of course, being the artiste. So uh, yeah, I, I got to be careful about that with some self-talk awareness, not grading myself. That was a D. That was a D performance of Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. That'd be a terrible heckle. If anybody wants to really fuck with a singer-songwriter while they're performing, after they finish, be like, B minus. <laughs> just after every song. That was a C. Mix it up. Play something different. Um, and then you're like, all right, well, I'll try one of my songs to recenter myself and find my voice. Here's a, a little ditty about a, a crackhead called New Orleans. <laughs> Not, not New Orleans. What am I talking about? Called Lonely Eve. New Orleans, Lonely Eve. I think I was, was doing that silly voice and it made me say the exact wrong words. That was weird, but they felt so like they felt like they were in the next bullet in the clip. You know, when I was speaking, I knew I wanted to say Lonely Eve and it was like, poof, poof. and then the next bullet up was Lonely Eve and it came out New Orleans. Oh, uh, that's weird. All right, little mind fart there. Um, so, uh, so that was the, the Wild Vines gig. It ended up being a really nice time. Um, folks were friendly. I got to hang out with some bros afterwards and, uh, yeah, yeah. So gigging is fun. It's, it continues to feel productive and, and keeps me real fresh in terms of, uh, making sure that I'm on my A game. Um, let's see, how long are we in here? Holy shit. 34 minutes already. Oh my God. 
Um, we might have to save some of this other stuff for later. Or, or well, let's just plow through it. Umphreys McGee is a band out of the Midwest. They're a progressive rock jam band. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. They may not be your thing, but uh, they might be because um, they, they interlace like rock and uh, progress, progressive and a little bit of electro dancey. Although, t- to my knowledge, they do make all of their layers. There's very little pushing play there. Um, yeah, so I've been a fan of them for a long time. I've seen probably like 20 to 30 shows over the many, many years, like over like 10, 11 years now. I've seen like 25 shows or something. And um, yeah, so I'm a pretty loyal fan. And since they came through and played Phoenix, I was like, yeah, I got to go. I got to go. It's right in my backyard. So um, yeah, did the Uber thing so I could enjoy myself. I rolled solo. Um just, uh, it was really easy that way to kind of come and go as I pleased. I thought the band was going to start later. And so I screwed up and I showed up and the band was already on and I was like, Oh no. So I had to like, you know, I'm like trying to fumbling with all the stuff in my pockets to show security, to get in the venue. And, uh, I'm like, Oh man, that, you know, the Umphreys is already kicking it. So I was pissed about that. I go in and I was like, uh, get my beer, go, go find a spot for the show, put my earplugs in. Cause I'm an old man and I'm protecting my ears. Um, earplugs were crucial at that show. They rock. They turn that volume up to 11 and, uh, the band does not hold back. So the really nice thing about having earplugs for me at a concert, especially with a band that I was so familiar with was that as they were performing, I was adjusting my earplugs. You know, I was like, Oh, here's a quiet part where there's some singing. I'll take a little bit of an ear, earplug out and hear the vocals really crisp. And then right before they start rocking again, uh, push that earplug back in. And uh, shout out to my sister-in-law, Kristen, for the earplugs. She gave me some uh, some dope-ass earplugs for live music. So thank you. They uh, I'm putting them to good use. Um, and the band is rocking. Um, hold on. I got to be right back. Okay, I'm back. So, uh, so yeah, the um, I got there late. And I uh, went on Twitter and looked up what songs they had played already and was very, very distraught to see that they played a song called Morning Song, which I was so excited to see and so bummed that I missed. And I was like kicking myself. I was like, man, you've lost your touch. Like you consider yourself a fan. You show up late and you miss your favorite song. Like that is the music gods um, or like one 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 of the songs that you were really excited to see. And I was like, man, that is the music gods giving you a slap on the wrist because they're like, hey, you know, you better come correct. If you're going to try to do this, you know, this this music thing and enjoy it, like you got to come correct. Like for your favorite band, you show up on time. Uh, so I was kind of like up in my head, beating myself up about this, you know, giving myself a lecture from the music gods. And, um, <laughs> and then I was like, wait, there's this, the band is right here performing the, the, you know, right now I need to be enjoying what they're doing right now. So there's this internal monologue in my head where I was like, Hey, shut up, stupid. Like enjoy the show, put on a smile. Don't be sad that you missed the song. And I was like, Oh man, I never should have looked that up. That was really dumb. But I, I was curious how many, how many songs I had missed. And I was pissed. I missed a couple. So I was like, ah, oh, shit. So they were already like well into their first set. Um, it was a Thursday night. No, it was a Wednesday night. Oh my gosh, I'm not sure. It was it was a Thursday night. Um, so I mean, I guess I guess the show was a little bit earlier than than I would have thought. But hmm, is that Bryn calling me, or is she talking to the dog? Let's see. 
Um, so, uh, so I'm like, all right, so, you know, get out of your head, enjoy the show. You know, you're here, you're kicking it. It's a good crowd, good, good vibe, exciting stuff. Let's just keep it rocking and rolling. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get out of my head about that. And I was like, Hey, sorry, music gods, you know, um, I'll, you know, lesson learned. I kind of like looked at the music gods and I was like, Hey, lesson learned. I get it. Thank you for the slap on the wrist. Um, and I'll be on time next time. And then, uh, like no sooner that did I kind of come to peace with it all that the next song they go into is all in time. And I am an all in time fanatic. Like I cannot, I like, I just love seeing the song performed live and it took so many shows before I finally did. And, um, and now anytime I see it, I'm like, Oh my God, all in time. This is great. And this band has tons of songs in their repertoire, so they can go a while without repeating a song. So I was like, Oh, it's a treat. The music gods, they've, they've, uh, you know, we're back in, I'm back in the good graces of the music gods and, and they're rewarding me for my like penance, um, my, uh, my reconciliation with them. And, uh, and this was an offering from the music gods via Umphreys McGee to play all in time. One of my favorite songs, down out, down out, down out, um that was for the uh the three other umphreys mcgee fans uh that are that are listening to the podcast no but really check them out they're cool um awesome show so i i you know music gods music gods uh we we're all right we're all right with the music gods now um I had other things to say about the show, but you know, it was kind of tip, you know, just awesome night rock show. Um, had a couple beers, Ubered myself around, actually walked over to the town. There's like a college town area where there's a bunch of bars that have built up. And, um, I walked over there after the show cause I thought, uh, the Uber surge pricing was, a, you know, it was like double cost from the theater. And I said, all right, from the rock venue. Right. And I was like, all right, let me rock, walk over to the, uh, the, the campus area, the town, uh, not campus area, but like the town. I don't know. It seems like a college bar scene piece of town, right? Um, called Mill Ave. And I go check that out. And I was like, oh my God, I immediately felt really old. I was like, you know what? I'll go over there. I'll grab a beer and then I'll check the Uber again, see if the surge pricing has gone down. And um, sure enough, it, it had. But the bar that I found was like, there was a line out the door. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And it was, you know, that I guess it's meat market sort of bar club scene where there's, you know, what kind of bar do you want? You want a cowboy bar? It's over there. If you want a Mexican joint, it's over there. If you want a club scene, it's over here. You know, that place is button ups and tie, you know, like, so people all over the streets, just a shit show. Everybody's drunk on a Thursday night at like midnight. And, um, I'm walking around by myself. I'm like, man, I feel really old right now. Like I am out of place. This is not my scene anymore. Um, but I was like, so I'm like, Oh, there's no way I'm waiting in a line for, for, uh, to get into a club to have a, you know, probably like an $8 beer. I was already playing, paying exorbitant prices at the venue. And, um, it's like, oh man, like, is this backfiring? This doesn't feel like it's working. It kind of feels like forcing it. And I was like, you know what? Let me just kind of stroll around. I'm curious to see what the scene's like. And, and if there's any, if there's a bar that doesn't look like it has a line, I'll, I'll pop in there. And sure enough, I, uh, 
I thought there was going to be diffusion of the populace among the different bars, but I found a bar that was like empty. And I was like, oh, perfect. This is where I want to be. So I sidled up right to the bar and, and sat down, had myself a, a beer and a water and then uh, checked my Uber app. And it was back up to like double price, surge pricing again. And I was like, ah, son of a bitch. Like, I guess I missed the window. And uh, something that I hadn't considered about surge pricing until talking to the guy that drove me over there was that the Uber drivers can see when it's surge pricing. So if you're looking to make a quick buck as an Uber driver, you have an incentive because it's surge pricing to hop online, um, you know, uh, sort of virtually speaking, as, as you're, you know, go into Uber mode with your car, like you could be driving, you know, driving some books back from the library. And if you pass a sporting event that has surge pricing at that moment, you, there's an incentive for the driver to flick his switch on and say, sure, I'll go pick somebody up for double the rate. And then supply and demand work. So enough drivers turn their lights on, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, as if they were a taxi and they flip their taxi light on. Um, is that too old of an, uh, of a reference now to people? Will people remember what taxis are? Um, and then there's enough supply to meet the demand and the price, you know, levels itself back out. I was like, oh, that's a cool little like econ 101 supply and demand, little, little mode there. So I'm like, okay, there's no way it was surge pricing 10 minutes ago. Now it's not. And then 10 minutes later, it's surge pricing again. I was like, well, I guess maybe that could happen. And I just probably got to just wait it out. And so I'm like, I'm in no hurry. I'll just keep checking the app every three minutes or so, um, every five minutes. And then when it went back down, I got my Uber driver home. So that was my night out um, on the town. And man, it was a shit show. Like people were crossing the street when it wasn't uh, their turn. You know, like cars are waiting for drunk people to cross the street when they've got a green light going. And um, I'm, you know, people are yelling down the street to try to keep their groups of friends. Like, hey, Johnny, not that way. Wait, we're back here. No, Cassandra went that way. You know, like all that kind of like loud, drunk social stuff that I was always just kind of like, okay, like, all right, we have to put up with this. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, I was just so relieved to be by myself and just like rolling, you know, rolling steady and mellow. And, you know, I just gotten my, my face melted off by Humphreys McGee show. And uh, I was just happy to be alive, like walking around in beautiful um, Arizona this time of year is really nice, especially in the evenings. So um, <laughs> the other thing I saw out, outside of one of these clubs that had a long line, um, I did try to walk in the back way. I saw some like some service person like you know wait staff or bar back or something go in this back way and i was like oh, i'll just follow them in and i walked in and sure enough there's a security guy right there that was like oh you got to go around front buddy and i was like oh shit so i walked back around front and i want to see how fast the line is moving so i walk up to the front of it a little bit and um there is a woman w with her hands uh, handcuffed behind her back sitting on the curb getting like in investigated by the police there must have been like six uh, six cops on bikes and uh and one cop um you know rummaging through her purse with a flashlight another one writing out a citation of some sort um it, the girl was surprisingly chipper and i just sort of hovered there for a moment because i wasn't in a group i wasn't you know trying to get anywhere uh, do anything i i had the the, the freedom to just sort of stand there and kind of mill about and watch the cops and how it was all unfolding. And I just kind of wanted to be a citizen in that moment and be like, I'm going to observe, um, you know, justice in action. 
or law enforcement in action. And I have to imagine she was probably just drunk and maybe, you know, got in a fight or was just publicly drunk or whatever it was. But, uh, I mean, I feel bad. I'm sure that's a big buzzkill on her night and is going to make her, uh, I don't know, probably reconsider how she behaves. Um, you know, the, uh, the firm hand of the law will have that effect on you, I imagine. So I felt bad for her, but then I was like, oh, well, not my problem. I'm going to turn around and go have myself a beer. <laughs> you know? So, uh, uh, this is funny just going out and feeling like you're one of the masses, you know, there's a lot of people out, a lot of people out. Oh man. So, uh, so yeah, um, middle half was pretty fun. All right. Real quick. Uh, the songwriters group on Tuesday, I went to, um, at the suggestion of my buddy, Dave, uh, out in Nashville, he says, Hey, some people, uh, that I spoke to, I asked him if he had any recommendations or suggestions of stuff to do, uh, in pursuit of the songwriting career. Right. So I, I talk about my sort of shift and pivot from wanting to become a rock star to wanting to earn money from music in the songwriter avenue, which uh, is an established sort of route of trying to professionalize being a songwriter, and one that I think suits my skill set and suits my life at this moment in time. I don't really want to be going out and trying to build a fan base from from square zero. Um, I do appreciate my my little intimate, you know, family friend uh, fan fan base. And uh, I certainly want to see that continue to be be nourished and uh, and sort of you know plump up um if you will as i continue to to dive in with like really um hopefully groovy stuff um but uh but yeah if i can get my songs in the hands of a successful songwriter uh or a, a successful performer rather and i'm the songwriter i think that would be a really really fun uh, really fun way to try to earn a couple bucks off of the music stuff. So with that being my mission, my friend Dave from Nashville said, Hey, you know, I asked around a little bit and there's a Phoenix chapter of the Nashville songwriters association international, which is a group, um, uh, you know, performing artists, uh, recording, publishing, licensing group, right? Uh, I guess there's several of these and, but the Nashville one is particularly of import because of, uh, what I, I guess they call music row in Nashville. Um, you know, lots of, lots of live venues, lots of studios, lots of writers, you know, it's the real deal there. If you want to try to get a country hit made, you know, it, it probably goes through Nashville. So this, um, group and this session in particular was all about making a country commercial hit. And I was like, okay, this is, this is not exactly, where I'm coming from in terms of my history as a songwriter, but like, let me be open ears about it. And they did a really nice job. It was, so it was at this, uh, this small little venue, uh, just kind of off the beaten path, a uh, little, little room, which is an acoustic music room, which I was surprised to see. Um, it, uh, it had the vibe of almost just like an old kind of like, I don't know, like religious meeting space. Like it was just this one building off to the side that had a little kitchen area and then a little, um, a little great room where they had chairs set up and a stage on one end. It was very small and simple and and just very, very earthy, um, very down, down home, down to earth and, and probably was, was, was put on the earth like, like 60 years ago. Cause it was, it was a little, it was a little dated, um, little rickety, little ramshackle if you will. Um, but I was like, Hey, you know, cool. What, what better sort of vibe to, to, you know, meet some folks and talk about songwriting. 
Um, I was the youngest person probably by like 20 years other than the speaker who was this really awesome um, lady, Shelly Labash, if you want to check her out, um, who is just full-fledged all about the NSAI, NSAI. And she led the talk about uh, the elements, sort of like the recipe of a commercial country smash. And she did a great job laying it all out um, to me. And from where I come from, it seemed a little prescriptive and formulaic. Uh, they had a bunch of really cute phrases, though, that I thought were informative for me to have a sort of a toolkit with which to judge my own songs and self-reflect on my writing process. Stuff like, don't bore us, get to the chorus right? That's sort of a, a nice little phrase to put in there. You know, have the hook come in early. Um, she was like, hey, you know, for, for contemporary country, think Walmart, not Hallmark. You know, it's, it doesn't need to be poetic. You need to take people on a journey, tell them, tell them the story, like don't make them do the work. It doesn't need to be poetic. Think Walmart, Walmart, not Hallmark. I was like, all right, that's pretty clever. And again, stuff that maybe the previous version of me would have been like, oh my God, like make me want to puke. But so be it, you know? Okay, cool. I get it. You're describing what, what that is now in that scene. And it's going to be really informative for me to walk away with this. Um, What were some of the other things? So yeah, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Think Walmart, not Hallmark. Um, you know, the, she was very, they had some guidelines about like the bridge should only be two lines and it restates the hook, but doesn't use the words that you use in the hook, the hook, uh, there's a, there's a pattern you can use where you, you say the hook, you say a line about what it is, you say another line about what it is, and then you repeat it and you end with the words of the hook again. And then the hook can't appear anywhere else in the song. And I was like, okay, interesting. Like maybe that would work on some things, but there's probably exceptions to the rule. And of course, the last guideline is break the rules. So there is this understanding that all of these bullet points are going to get you so far, but you have to be willing to to bend and and stretch those rules in order to come up with your your own sort of contribution to that, to the canon of uh, country music. And she also said something that I thought was interesting. She said they're borrowing a lot from pop music eight years ago. She was like, you listen to what you hear on the the country radio stations today compared to what was on pop stations eight years ago, and you'll find some similarities and some, um, you know, it's like country is catching up in a way to what was popular. And she was saying that there's going to be some R&B influence coming out in the country scene and um, a little bit more, you know, beat and hip hop and dance oriented. She was like, don't be afraid of hip hop. Take advantage of it. It's in modern country now. So I'm like, I'm hearing this. and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like it, it was, it was a really nice framework. And she did a great job of laying out all the examples. And, um, you know, um, it was valuable. I enjoyed sitting around and then um, learning all these things, writing down note after note after note. And uh I was like, all right, cool. I got to take this back with me. She also told us a, a concept for speed writing. And it, here again, I was like, speed writing? She's like, yeah, literally, you just come up with a hook notion, you know, a little phrase that you're going to sing about. And then you, uh, this is like, I think some guys like tactic is methodology is like you Google image it, see what images come up, write down some persons, persons, places and things. What are your nouns? And then what are your adjectives? What are your senses? Are there any ultimate truths, universal truths that you can sing about? And then there's sort of this 
you know, you, you lay out all of your Lego pieces. Uh, what are the rhymes? What are some potential rhymes that you have based on these words that you've jotted down? And then smash it together into a song with a hook and verses and, and a bridge and keep it under three minutes. Keep it peppy. Oh, the other one is uh, that, that I probably need to take to heart is think summer, not bummer. You know, she was like that. For, for starters, think summer, not bummer. And here I am. I'm like, oh, no, I, I printed out lyric sheets to my song one night at a time, which is sort of this somber, shuffling cowboy tune. And it was like, oh, this is one of the more country tunes that I have that I've written recently. Let me let me. And, it, and it's one that I was eager to get some feedback on. So I was like, let me sing that one. Um it's uh, it's the one that's like I've been looking for a reason I didn't need to find. Cause we're all to blame and we're all justified. And it's hard to be a rambler when they need you mm-hmm. to keep it together one night at a time. Uh, so that's what I played for the group. Um, we had this little workshop session where we, one by one, we would go up on stage and play our song just with our acoustic guitar. And I brought a couple lyric sheets. I handed them out and folks gave me some feedback. Um, and it was really cool. It was nice. It was nice to open up myself to that experience and engage with these folks in that way, get some constructive feedback and, um, you know, just tap into that larger community and realize, uh, I was talking to, uh, my me now mentor, uh, Andy, um, check out the me now movement, Google that and check it out or live If you want to check it out. And the way he described it was like, yeah, man, like you've been, we've been working at music independently, like in your own little dinghy out on the great big ocean for so long that there's this whole regatta of like battleships that are out there waiting for you to just like pull up and be like, Hey, Oh, there is this entire established network of community where all they do is put music to TV shows and movies and commercials and feed them to popular artists. Um, one of the dudes played a song that had this great country swing to it. And he was, he called it swinging in the rain, a play on singing in the rain. And it was, a it was a great song. Like everybody knew it right from this. He played a couple of these jazzy chords. They were kind of moving quickly. Um, funny enough, the, the guy is actually a Kenny Rogers tribute band impersonator guy. He's made his livelihood playing music as Kenny Rogers. <laughs> he was at the, the songwriters fest or the songwriters group. And uh, that didn't come out until afterwards, but he had this really nice song of his own. And the organizers was like, hey, who would that be good for? And he says, well, you know, to be honest, that ship may have sailed because I think I'd I'd love to hear George Strait do it. And they go, well, actually, George is soliciting material right now. And we know a woman who knows a guy. So brush up your demo, get a lyric sheet, send it over. And that's what they do. They pitch songs. There are organizations and professionals that this is what they do. And they pride themselves on having the ins into that network and into that scene. And it was really inspiring for me to like, I was, and and again, I was having this self-awareness moment where I was like, man, a younger version of myself would have been so jealous that that this guy's song got a lot of attention and that it sounds like they're going to try to put him in touch with the right person that could actually get it on the album and get this guy paid for his song. Um, and it wasn't me, you know, I was like, Oh man, like 
the old version of myself would have been jealous. I would have been hard on myself. Um, but the, I was just happy go lucky. I, I was beaming for this guy. I was like, yes, that is what, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's the vision here. That's what I can tap into as a, as a creative person. And, um, and wow, how cool that it really is supportive. Cause right. There is that little underlying thing where you're all like, well, there's only so many songs that can get placed, but there's a lot of songwriters and a lot of songs. So it's like, friendly competition, you know, I guess it's similar to, you know, the competition between bands is like, you know, we're not really competing because people can pay attention to both of us. And it's like, Hey, if you get a song placed and it looks good on the Phoenix songwriters group, that'll probably turn into, you know, some Nashville folks coming out and doing seminars or doing workshops or song critiques. And it'll be better for everybody. A rising tide raises all ships to stay with the nautical metaphor. Right. And man, it was really cool. And I think you can hear the, the excitement in my voice that I was like, okay, that's how this happens. Like really cool. So I've signed up for a, a, a different group it has a Phoenix area meetup on Monday, and I'm going to try to be comfortable with the, just bring your business cards and schmooze and tell your story and, uh, and see what can happen. Um, followed up with a few folks from the group and shared my yard sales, uh, yard sale demos with them. And uh, they said, hey, you know, thanks for sending this along. Very cordial, very supportive and encouraging. I think you've got potential. Like, let's definitely keep in touch. We've got the next meeting is, you know, uh, it's a monthly meeting. So I, I may start going monthly. Um, yeah, yeah. So very exciting things happening over here in the music world. And I think that's a good song, a good place to uh, to wrap up. Um, real quick, I have uh, some Baker's Dozens coming. I ordered some CDs. If you still use CDs and you don't have one. Uh, feel free to buy one. I've got a PayPal link up at my website, garrettandersonmusic.com. If you click on music and then Baker's Dozen, it'll be right there. And that is the uh, 13-song compilation of home recordings that is sort of the best of from my previous recordings. And uh, I I wanted to restock my inventory, so I have them to sell at like farmer's markets and and pubs and stuff. So, all right. Uh, I hope to have more exciting updates in two weeks. And um, hopefully there'll be a fun little live Achita next weekend. So for now, signing off. Cheers. Um, And uh, be well. And drop a line. Let me know what you're up to. See you. uh, Let me know what you're digging. If you got any requests or questions or awesome or annoyings. (laughs) submit those too alright peace everybody